0: peace everybody welcome back to another episode of on tilt state of black mental health and policing in america i'm julius here with miss danielle how you doing today
1: i'm good julius how are you
0: i'm good i'm good um just grateful to be alive you know i was thinking about um just life in general right and thinking about some of the things that I want to accomplish. And, you know, we start to think about the goals and what's in the future and you sometimes forget what's, what's in the present and what's behind you, you know, so I'm just uh, trying to be in a space of gratitude.
1: Yes. Yes. And, you know, it, it's funny that you said that, um, uh, uh, I had an opportunity to, uh, uh, go back and, you know, paint our um our uh, pottery, a friend and I, we, we did this pottery. And so I uh, went back and had an opportunity to paint, you know, like stages, the pottery is like in stages. And, you know, just thinking about the many steps, like I realized I'm a bit impatient because I was like, first you make the pottery, then you got to come back and paint the pottery. Then you got, what could those through the fire again? then you got to come back and pick it up so it's like three stages and I'm like I wanted the last stage to hurry up and go in the fire and be done but life is not like that you know what I'm saying some things come in stages and you have to allow the process to work itself out and don't skip the stages of what I call being refined You know, going through the hard place, going through the heat and and the fire, because it's only gonna make you better. In the process, some things melt away. And sometimes you don't come out perfect, but it's okay because you come out growing. And isn't that what we all the end goal is, is to, to grow and become better versions of ourselves. So it taught me a lesson and I had to reflect on that experience. And so I think by the whole pottery experience, first sharing it with someone is a great opportunity, you know, to see what they create and what you create. is nice. But um, more importantly, getting something out of it, you know, that was for me, you know, life, life, not, you know, life giving life wisdom. I appreciate it. But as always, we got a great show today. This is Pride Month. Um, we're still honoring not only Pride Month, but, but also Men's Health Month. So we're gonna talk a little bit about that as well. And we want, we have two beautiful guests. Uh, one has been on our show before. One, this is their first time on our show, show Terrence George. I'm excited, he's so flavorful. I always go. I I love him. Uh, he can dress. Let me tell you, woo, you know he can dress. I'm gonna raid his closet. But um, great show today. I'm excited, Julie. Is what we got in store. I'm trying to figure out what is going on right here with my hair. Like it's locking everything in me. There he is. (laughs) Let's
0: take a quick moment. We'll take a quick moment of silence and you can you can uh reflect and get your hair right. <laughs>
1: I think it's better.
0: I can see so uh, Mama Brown, do you want to introduce our guests?
1: Uh, I would I, I I kinda almost already did. Um we have Terrence George, um a prominent uh Pittsburgh, um community member, resident, outspoken. Um we have joined each other on several, um, activist platforms. Um, he, he, Terrence definitely has supported, you know, a lot of the Marcus Jalen Brown foundation efforts and movement. And so I have so much gratitude to him. And like I said, I already said, he, he is a fabulous, fabulous personality, fabulous dresser, adore him. And we have, of course, the, the original, authentic, famous uh, Nikki Joe uh, of uh, the Black Ops House um, Collective um, Gallery. Her and Cynthia run this gallery together as partners, and this gallery does amazing, amazing things in the Pittsburgh community, not only for um, people of Black people, people of color, people like us. Um, But also, you know, it's just a space that's open to all different types of ethnicity. Oh, my God, I messed that up. But um, uh, she is, you know, she's not putting on performances, jazz performances, art um, showcase, dance showcase, educational, um, lending the space for educational purposes and political purposes. I mean, Nikki Joe is everywhere doing everything and such a poet writer. She writes so well that I don't and her poems are are just incredible. I, I, I don't understand why she doesn't have a book by now. Hopefully she will be working on that soon. Um, but Nikki Joe, I don't know if she had joined us yet. She was having some technical problems. Nope, not yet. Um Oh, she is. She's here by audio only, so she is here. I hear some feedback. there she is. (laughs) I just introduce you and Terry. I don't. What's the backdrop noise we're hearing?
0: Yeah, we're getting a little bit of a, a delay on somebody's end.
2: Um, I don't know what that is. Yeah, can you guys hear me? Yeah.
1: Yeah. Okay, maybe it wasn't maybe it wasn't any of us. Maybe it was um might have been on a producer end. I don't know. Anyway, welcome, welcome. I don't Nikki, did you hear um the introduction? Yes, yes. It's well, so right. good to see you, sis. I miss you. I mean, every time I see you got different fabulous hair. You know. You know, I'm like such a meeting. I'm looking so at one style, then I see you with another style, and it's beautiful. And look, I want to show off my jewelry. Um, this is a rainbow crystal. I would like to thank Nikki Joe friend for getting this to me. I, I actually ordered um three three of them. And I gave one to my son as a gift, but he loved it, and one to my best friend, and she loves it. So we we we, and look, I told Terrence we take um, Pride Month serious. You know, you know, in honor of my son, um, my son Jamal, who's also a part of that community. But uh, we also believe that it's 365 days a year. um, Just like um, we can't change the color of our skin, it's 365 days a year that we should celebrate who we are and we've been through enough we deserve it and we deserve it for the lifetime but welcome to the show Nikki welcome to the show Terrence I already gave thank it you der- for having me. Terrence you know he's just uh, fabulous one of my favorite people and I said I'm gonna raid his closet sure ain't <laughs> for the special accessories he got on one now that I'm loving them be
3: oh uh, thank you my kids um when I used to work in Louisiana, they made me a Malcolm X necklace. They said I looked like him, because I had a red beard. And so they made this for me. They brought it to me one day.
1: Uh, oh. You did have a red beard. And that's why I was wondering, I was like, what is different? Because you were kind of reddish. And I, I really liked that look, reddish beard on you. You think you might go back there? It was uh, <laughs> uh Well, that's
3: my natural color, actually. I dye it black on purpose. Yeah. What? It's nice, red, but I know, I know, I know. Did they get you confused about the other
1: people? Did they get you pretty
3: confused?
1: much? <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> <laughs> do I said it is I to so
3: Good. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me uh, tonight. I really, well, this afternoon, I really appreciate you guys. Mm-hmm. Thank
1: you. Thank you.
3: Thank you. I love y'all.
1: <laughs> well uh, yeah because uh, uh, Julius is here, my fabulous co-host. I'm always, you know, so we you know we're a great partnership and of course Julius has still smiled. And, uh, did I mess it up, Julius?
0: Still smile. Mess you up. <laughs> That's okay. You got you got Grace over here.
1: Thank you, Mercy.
0: Let's let's get let's get to our, our guests though. I know, right? We got a lot a lot of amazing stuff and we run we uh what ten minutes in so we're running out of time. Um so what when we talk about you know honoring, uplifting, and really celebrating Pride Month for black and brown folks, what does that mean for y'all? Um I think
3: that hysterically pride was actually started by African-American people here in this country. Um, Marcia P. Johnson is uh, one, uh, well, probably the start of the uh, Stonewall Revolution uh, in New York City. Um, One of the things that we know across the country and world, really, is that uh, Black people don't necessarily get that credit. Um, They're not able to work or cry. We have separate prides now. There's white pride and there's black pride. Um, Actually, in every major city across the country, um, even though you know, a lot of times black people in this country start movements, where they're always co-opted or they're always talking about or by, you know the larger or more popular or community in itself. And so when we talk about
1: of, um gay pride. I really mind for the- We'll start it, go
3: Uh, to a, specifically, especially here in the city of Pittsburgh. Uh, One of the things that uh, Friends United, Project Matters, which is my organization, um, and economists out there, organizers here, um, LGBT Black organizers here, complained about for years and years and years was that the Delta Foundation had made Pride very white. They had made it unaffordable um, for most people of color here because uh, to see Patti LaBelle, which is her icon, right? It's $150. To see Tom Braxton, hun- I paid for two tickets for me and my partner. It was almost, I want to say two to $300. I'm really not exaggerating here. Yeah. And so you two tickets. I'm sorry. It was 400 Oh, yeah. Okay, yeah. I think that's what we yeah. paid to go to see Tony Braxton. Now, again, to be very clear and mindful, Tony Braxton is one of our icons, right? She, she you know, she started in our community. She's, you know, one of our queens of B. Why are we paying $150 uh, well, $400 for two tickets to see someone who we grew up with? Into. Now she's popular, and she's crossed over into Main Street, but what I'm getting at and trying to paint a picture for you is that most African American people, and I'm not, I, I, I don't want to talk about people's finances or or be middle, what we can afford or what we can do, but that's a lot to put on uh, a community that just wants to celebrate who they are, right? To pay $400 to go to an event to be gay when we're gay 365 days a year, it's pointless and if uh, if I'm quite honest, it it it's counterproductive. And with that, it sends a message uh to our communities. A and, and, and what we know is that uh the larger community, the white community has always used finances or resources that way to keep us out of different communities, to keep us at different spaces, and white pride was no different. Um and so this year, Dina uh and Baylin and and countless others worked really hard to make it more grassroots, more back into the community. Um, not necessarily a uh, premium on how much you make uh, versus or what you can afford versus um, your parents celebrate your joy of being gay, your joy of being open, your joy of you know expressing your gender identity, expressing you know, who you love, who you are. You know, um, I was able to attend a- other those events. But from what I've heard, they were great. Um, I actually had my owner event. I'm uh in the house of Ebony and Ballroom, and I had a bought that night for Pride. Um, when we continue to do things around the city to uh you know, be visible, um, uh, make sure that people know that our pride is it for sale. Um, and that that's the biggest takeaway that I want to just let people know is that, and you and Mama Brown, you had talked about this. Up uh, after the was that 365 days a year, the Black and we're gay. So those intersections matter at all times, right? Um, it's a part of that is a cherry on top of what we as Black people have to face um, daily. You know, that's, that's what, what happens in our communities. And so I, I do want to just take a time to say thank you guys so much for the platform um, and to be able to express those facts filler that I had around
1: that. So, well, I mean, you bring up a great point before we move over to Nikki Joe, I mean, it's almost like gouging against in that month. You know, when you talked about the prices they charge for um, the tickets, because and there is a clear difference what the white pride movement community do. Because I know here in D.C., they're having concerts and they're free. And they're outside, and they're free, and they're pe- noteworthy people. I mean, I, I don't know them, but I know they noteworthy because I don't follow that genre of uh, of of music. But I know because they draw in a huge crowd, so I'm thinking they're really popular. They, I bet you a lot of them don't know who Tony Braxton is. I don't know, but. I know they're not paying $400. So that is something that we have to pay attention to. Is why are why why are we doing this? Why, why did you choose this month to come and do a concert in honor of this and yet say, give me your $400? Interesting. Go ahead, Nikki. Yeah, man. And... I got a
2: few words about Pittsburgh Pride, man. Um, so like growing up, like when I was like a little girl, like I didn't know I was gay. I just knew I, I liked girls. Right. You don't really. And that's the the usually the story with most of us. We don't really know the terminology or know the the risks or, you know, how you're going to be, you know, outlier or whatever. You don't know any of that. You just know you like what you like. Right when I was, uh, 20 years old, I moved, uh, to Delaware. Uh, Delaware was so very racist, but had so many, I'm sorry, my cat just attacked. Christ. Get Um, so very racist, but it was the perfect place to be in at that time because it was so central to everything else. Like it was, Fifteen minutes over the Dell Memorial Bridge in New Jersey for the gay life. It was uh half an hour into Philly, uh to the gay scene. I used to work at a nightclub there called Sisters, um, which was a, a gay club. It was yeah, it was i Um forty five minutes into Bmore, I used to go to the Paradox.
0: Uh, yeah. yes, I used to be a little stocking grounds out there. Anyway, hey, well, that's the paradox. One of my college roommates are from Baltimore. They took me there one time, and I'm like, "Okay, this is, this is not Pittsburgh." <laughs> no. But it's out, out, you know, depending today. what route
2: you're taking into Brooklyn, so like, I was like positioned right where I needed to be to really enjoy being black and gay. It was perfect, and that was like in my twenties. So I didn't move back to Pittsburgh until I was 28. And it was like a shift. First of all, our gay community here is very, very weird. And I say this in a, in a sense of weird as our identity. We, um, like, okay, so I, I'm what my niece Chrissy calls passing. Okay, and so people don't know I'm gay until I let them know, is what she says, you know? So like when I was out in Philly, like I dated a lot of uh, feminine women. You know, I don't usually, you know, date studs or whatever. But you would see studs with studs, femmes with femmes. You know what I mean? It, there was just no discrimination when I came back to Pittsburgh. It was like studs had to be with femmes. If there was two studs, that was too gay. What what's too gay? It's very weird. You know what I mean? You can't see two, you know, uh, uh, girl by two. Um, uh, oh, goodness, androgynous uh, lesbians together uh, with the males. You couldn't have two uh, feminine males. I'm like, what the hell? What are all these regulations, stipulations? Why would you further put yourself in a box when society as a whole has already confined you to a sector? It, it was very um, unnerving to me. Very, very unnerving. Um, especially because, like my niece, my niece Chrissy says, I'm passing. A lot of the women, when I came back, didn't know how to take me because they were like, I date studs. I only date studs. I don't do fems. I'm like, okay, you're weird. Like, we're still women. You know what I mean? I like pretty women. I can't help it. That's just what I like, though. But I'm confident in who I am and my assertion of my sexuality. So to me, it it seems like in Pittsburgh, when I say weird about identity, is that we've still got this construct of how we should be gay instead of just allowing yourself to be gay. Wow. It's very prevalent. My birthday's June 6th. So every um, start of June, the first week is always pride, right? So my birthday always falls on pride. So when I was in Pittsburgh in my younger years, uh, that was the best party ever, like ever. I would always go downtown on Liberty. I used to work at the saloon. Don't patronize there. They used to work at the saloon and the Tilden. You know what I mean? Right during Pride, it was lit. But I also noticed, as I got older when I came back, how very divisive Pride is. It seems like the first two weeks of June are for White Pride, and the last two weeks are for Black Pride. And that pisses me off because to what Terrence said, Pride was created by Marsha P. Johnson. That was a Black trans woman. She created Pride. So to me, in a sense, if I'm going into my Black history bag, you want to give us 28 days to celebrate being Black in February, and then you want to make us divide up a month that we created to celebrate our gayness with people who are appropriating the culture. Now, I know that's controversial because white people are gay too, but guess what? You should not have to have full access to everything that we've created, and we're shifted off two weeks to celebrate being black and gay. That's so disrespectful, and I don't think a lot behind of- them, exactly. And I don't feel like a lot of people in Pittsburgh, even gay Pittsburgh, even realize that correlation. Like this is us. This is what we created, and we have to share it. We have to share it with the minority population, white people, and and I feel like that is very disrespectful in a sense. So, um, I. I'm black ops, obviously, um, but I own Black House Collections. And our logo we crafted is literally a black house with a brown inside barrier to represent the black and brown people. And then nothing but a big old gay ass rainbow shooting through it. Because <laughs> I want people to know when they look at this gallery, when they come past, because now it's finally up on the market look at our logo. This is what we represent. Black, brown, and gay. The LGBTQIA community, which I dearly call the alphabet community because we're always at in the damn letter. (laughs) We're always at in the damn letter. But I want people to know that we built this shit like a house. The foundation is black and brown. And we are happy and proud to be who we are. I even got it tattooed on my arm as soon as I came back to Pittsburgh. I don't know if y'all can see that. It says pride with the rainbow. But. I, I just, I find, I find Pittsburgh very discouraging with the fact that they have to co-opt everything that we do. But somebody said to me a long time ago that that's how you know you're God's chosen people when the whole world has to imitate everything you do. Everything we do is misculturally appropriated from us. Everything you do. And this is nothing against, you know, white uh, LGBTQIA community but what they need to respect is the understanding and the creation that gives them the right to celebrate.
1: Yeah. You know, let me, let me interject real quick there because I mean, you made a very powerful point. The reality is that not only, you know, we talked about um, the woman that started the pride movement. Again, a woman, a black black woman, black woman. Most disrespected species in period yeah I mean we will not i mean our history will not be recognized i mean look two hundred thirty seven day hunger strike I, history i mean but but I'm just saying when when our, when white people did it. And no one done it as long as I did, right, not even Gandhi not it was well, exactly exactly in 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 uh Solange, who you know did the nuclear war I think it was forty four days mhm,
2: and you did two hundred and thirty seven that's why i'm but not, I'm just saying I'm astounded by you,
1: I am yeah, but, but in that in that. But my point is, is that it's black women, like you, to your point, you know, we, we just don't get the due respect and recognition, period. Here you are in Pittsburgh, a black gay woman who started a black gallery. That, that is crazy. How much support? I mean, I watch you close and from a distance. You fight for it every single thing you get. I try. And, not, I, I mean, it's it, not
2: this, it really is just like to me, it's like the location of it being downtown found us because we were looking to go to Homewood, you know what I mean? But that. Place found us for a reason, and I tell people this: how the white lady, because there's lots above our gallery. This old white lady came down with her little ugly poodle, talking about, you know, is this an art gallery? Clearly looking in the windows and seeing all the black art. But because everything was black, she had to ask, "What made you decide to open up an art gallery downtown? Why didn't you go to Homewood or Wilkinsburg?" So my response was, "I thought it was about time we come and gentrify your shit." Right. Because you clap back with strong, Nikki. Look, because what you're not going to do is tell us we can't be where we want to be. The end goal is we going to buy up everything on First Avenue and make it Black Wall Street. You know, it's a be, being Black and being gay is such a um, fetishized, uh, fetishized. I, I can't say it right, but it, it, we're, we're like, oh my God, the white gay men. Love Black gay. Oh my God. They put them on pedestals and, you know, this, that, and the third, like to use the language and everything. And, you know what I mean? And white gay women are the same way, are the same way. We'll put Black gay women on a pedestal, but do nothing to help. First of all, all you white LGBTQIA community members, when it comes to June 1st, and you know that we got Tony Braxton coming into town and Why don't you use all of that money that you know that we did have, um, you know, had to raise up to get Sony here to buy a ticket for these black LGBTQ members that you put on a pedestal. Put your money where your mouth is. Tony didn't come for you. She came for us because Tony loves the kids. Tony came for us. Patty came for us. You know what I mean? Do you remember when Gladys came, Terrence? I mean, these are our icons who reflect us and represent us and who support us openly. When you got somebody as fine and elder as Patti LaBelle, who comes to your city. to Oh, she's lost her entire mind. Comes to, to your city, you know, to represent for the Black gay community. And all the white people buy up all the tickets. All the tickets. Do you know only um? Do you remember uh, Terrence when Patty came? There was only about twenty,
1: thirty of us that actually got in. You know, it, 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 let me say this: that oh, all comes wow. from, but but Patty's camp has to be held accountable for a lot of that too. Um, they have to be. I know it's about the bottom line when it comes to money, but sometimes it's not when you're when you're centering yourself around a cause. They should have had a little bit more control over the ticket sales. And, and to whom the ticket sales are going to in the promotion and making sure that the community was well-represented. I kind of have to disagree. Only for the mere fact that every other city... No. I would... Yeah, I
2: would... I, 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 real quick, Terrace, I'm sorry. Every other city where these um artists and icons... No, They don't get a city tax. Pittsburgh taxes Black entertainers who come into the city. That's why we never hear really a sponsor. Yeah, yeah. Park does that. So they make sure if we want black entertainment, like they have that. Wow. That, uh, what's his name? Kesney Chesnut Kes- Kesney Chesnick. That country guy who comes and fucks up the North. United- Kenny Chesnut Yep. Yeah. He cries, uh, what they, uh, pay him an astronomical amount, but they'll make his ticket prices really low so that all these hickabillies can go out there and mess up all the North side. But when our icons come into ben, the city, they are taxed, and that the ticket price is higher. So it's kind of almost out of Patty's hands. Wow. But yeah.
3: Wow. But even, but even, but even uh, putting even uh, off of what Nikki just said, it, I I agree with Nikki in the vein that their her camp is just probably being told by the white people who are in charge that this is an inclusive event. I used to sit on the Pride board with um, Gary Van Horn when I was like 16, 17. I used to do the youth stage for Pride. And I explained to him multiple times that these pictures are not affordable. I know that my friend cannot afford to pay for that. And he pre- pretty much said that that's our problem. You know? And that was his commentary 15 years ago. You know, that... It, well, you guys, I don't feel like because I remember the the, the when the GLCC used to write it, they got like a hundred thousand, something like that, a little more, which isn't a lot of money now, but it was bad. Um, and I said, well, can we get like ten, fifteen for Black Gay Pride? You know, like let's just set for of that out for for the community, the other people who can't afford it. And their commentary was, well, pride is for everybody, so you guys should just get in where you fit in was is, is the conversation that we would have around that. And obviously I would never get in where you fit in tight. So I had a lot to say like this isn't right, this isn't fair and you know when you're that black person who, when you're that black person that confronts white people and you call them out on under white supremacy you're, you're not asked back in those spaces again. You're not asked to plan and organize again once you call out. And that's what they do, they silence us that We if we speak on issues that especially here in Pittsburgh in the gay community, when we start to talk about the colorism or 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 the white supremacy, or hey, that's not fair, or that's not cool, or hey, that's offensive to the, the people my- I don't know what happened to tears, love-
2: but not by any Pride and the history of pride is really important. We need to make that a staple here in Pittsburgh because every other city I've lived in, and I've lived in a lot of cities, every city I lived in is cognizant of the fact of the creation of pride and gives the respect where it's due. They put the money in, like how like you said there's free concerts in DC with prompt artists because they respect the history of pride. They know who it creates who created it. And they are not going to allow people. Anything- it's, 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 and it's unfortunate, but Pittsburgh—they know they it's three, or they don't it because it's all about their their white. Right.
1: You know, New York Suns, in the lot too. They do a lot of free concerts for the black community for pride. And I, I'm just what 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 is needed to be done? Let's let's seize this time right now. What is needed to be done? We protest for a lot of things. We do civil action, what what was it, civil action Saturdays, civil action Wednesdays. You know, what can in this community be done? Because I don't see a lot of mobilization for civil action. So I do know, because I I pay attention, I I, I might not be there, But like I said, I'm part residents there and part residents in D.C. So I'm very still very, you know, watchful what's uh, 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 the, you know, what the climate of Pittsburgh, because when I'm there, I want to make sure that I know what's going on. And I don't see a lot of it. I'm not saying there has to been any because I've been participating in some, but I'm saying more is needed. But but the question is, in so many areas that you guys face challenges. How do you even begin to say, if we're going to do a civil action, Geez, how can you lump every injustice together? Because you guys take the blunt of it on, the violence. I think the
2: best civil action is to not be present. Stop showing up during their events that are so sky high Spending your money because what that is doing is putting more money into the white lgbtq uh pockets and funders and uh organizers and it's detracting by the time we get to black Friday at the l- latter of the month nobody's coming out to those events because you already spent up all your money the first half of the events in white promoters pockets so i don't even and i used to be all up and through it because of my birthday i don't even attend any of their organ any of their uh you know, uh, events or anything. I wait until my people are doing, you know, our, uh, or, um, events. And then that's where I put my money. If we keep our money out of there, they're going to steadily see the decline because black people spend the most money. We always do. We spend the most money. You know what I mean? And they bring in there and everything. They, I mean, all the way around and all facets, we talk about how we're in like a trillion dollar business, and hair products, and the Asian community, and every other community, right? So the first thing we can do is be mindful that if we're putting our money into every other buddy, every other person's pocket except for our own, it's actually happening in the gay community, too. So stop
1: spending your money. Stop buying for them. I mean, but can you show up and say that, though? Can you show up and be on the opposite side of the line with, with, with signs and, and get the community together so that, you know, we, you know, scientists say, you know, you know, don't exclude us, you know, or whatever, or I don't know. But can, can we still be present and send a message? Are What's your,
3: so I'm, that's a great question that you asked, but we have to also be mindful that if we show up with signs, right? There's already the homophobes out of there. <laughs>
0: that's
3: not to say that we can't. But that's to say that our voices are going to be drowned out by the other voices that are already there to protest. I really, I feel like when you do a protest, when you do an action, it's about the impact. Uh, we already have people who don't like people who aren't there with their signs, like, you know, go down, you know, go and in the animate, on that and scene. Those are going to be the more polarizing. Uh, those are going to be the people that get the attention. So it's more so about, like Nicky said, saving our dollars, but also creating events that are safe, that are safe for us. You know, one of the things I do, I do a monthly vibe, worst, worst bar, words, Worth bar, Barnes Hotel uh, on Liberty Ave. That's been extremely great, and extremely awesome to us. Now that's a white space, um, but they give it to a black man a Black LGBT man, myself, and my partner, Roy. Doing right. things like that is what changes the narrative, right? We don't have any fights in, our, in that space. You know, people come out in the hundreds. You know, last weekend was Pride Weekend. We had one of the best events that they've ever had, one of the most lucrative events they've ever had. And that's how we show up continuously, right? We show up with our own support for the community. We show up with making, making sure that these people get violence. We show up with making sure that they see a community that isn't divided, and it shows up that we don't bring them violence. That's how you show up in the spaces. And that's how we continue to make sure that, you know, we can still balance these spaces and still support them, but that they support us too. If they're not willing to offer us anything, or support us in that way, we don't need to be giving them our business. That's just the bottom line. And, and two points real quick. One, uh, like I said, I used to be all
2: up and through there because it's my birthday, you know? So I, you know, I was a bartender for 16 years. So I used to bartend at the saloon during Friday. I know what they make off of us. I used to walk out one Friday, one day of Friday, I would walk out with six to $800 bartending. And I'd do it for a week. That was my cake up. And I was making that as a bartender. When I was bar manager, we would gross anywhere from 50 to 60 grand in a week. So I know what these white establishments are making, which is why I said, yeah, we can't show up with signs and whatnot, but uh, most likely you're going to end up over on one of those bars, spending your money. And so for me, it's like, don't even show up at all. Make sure that you, there's no detractors to taking
1: that. Uh, yeah, And you put a very, very, um, very important point that it's also other hate-based groups there. And you don't want to get the, you know, your message can get quickly, you know, uh, 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 taken from you and overshadowed by by the drama of other hate groups. And so everything gets lost. And then it turns into the black people came and they were violent. Because and then the police showed up. I we didn't get arrested. Uh, like always.
2: it's always like more. Us. But I did want to also mention, I I reached out to Terrence um, to be on this show, uh, specifically because of his impact in the gay community and how he represents the gay community. There are so many people in this city, in our community, who don't want to have nothing to do with the community because of the lack of leadership. I commend you, Terrence. I I, I, work, was I actually reached out to him in the beginning of May and I asked him and Chrissy, I said, I would like y'all to host the ball at uh, Black House. You know, um, so that's something we're in the works with, especially now that we got our big
1: gay rainbow house on the windows, people will know where to come. I'm so excited. And, but, um, but you know what, real quick, Nikki, you you experienced a situation at Black Up Yeah. So when Bandaline your property. Yeah. Busted all our windows out. <laughs> yeah. Busted
2: all the windows out. And you know what? You know what? Oh my goodness, Danielle. See, this is what I mean. See, this is this is what I mean by fighting for your people. I didn't have to lift a finger. The community came out, they cleaned up glass, they, you know, uh mopped the floors and they donated. And Cynthia and I didn't have to pay anything out of pocket to get those uh, windows repaired. When you fight for the community, the community fights for you. And it's things like that that give me purpose. I said, you know what? You must be doing something right if the community cared enough to come down and make sure y'all were good. We are two black women who own a business downtown in a very racist city. And they busted our windows out the day after Trump got the boot. I was in Miami during the election. It was a Saturday when he lost. They vandalized us Sunday. I came back on a plane Sunday to busted windows. Monday morning, they yep. did Sunday night. So I was like, "Okay, Pittsburgh stronger than hate, my ass." But the community yep. stepped up, and it was, and you know what? And I'm not just saying the black community. I ha, I do have to give you know my shout. White people came out too. White people, mm-hmm. in the LGBTQIA community came out. But the community as a whole took care of Black House Collection. And, that's, and and it was like the people who came out <clears throat> from the white LGBTQIA community also respect the history of pride and, and what it means. And they know their role. They know their role is not to come in and supersede our Blackness. Mm-hmm. So it's like, it's
1: about education. Did you know it's also also um, Black Men's Health Month? So... So Terrence, get your prostate check. How how are you taking care of Terrence?
3: Take care of Terrence. Uh um, I actually have oh, to the gym at least four to so five times that all at a week. Um it's something that I do on and off, but I make sure specifically that I'm in there at least two days out of it. That's one of the things. The second thing is, it's just being around my community. Um, I take care of hands by making sure that I go to therapy. I go to therapy once a week or in a zoom shop with, uh, my therapist. That's definitely something else like that I do. And I tell all my friends go because having somebody to talk to outside of yourself, or outside of your friend group or outside of people, you know, is just extremely important. Um, And Black men, we don't get that space to say we're tired or we're exhausted. We're supposed to be warriors. We're supposed to be strong. We're supposed to just deal with it. You know, one of the things that really impacted me last summer was losing one of my best friends. A lot of my cousins who are straight, a lot of my uncles, a lot of just people that I know in the community, especially Black, they lose people all the time, Um, you know, to gun violence, to violence in the streets. But we're not told that we're allowed to warn them. We're supposed to be strong. We're not supposed to cry. We're not supposed to deal with that. Grief is something that I'm still dealing with. And I lost my friend in um, in 2020. I'm still dealing with that today. That's somebody that, you know, I thought I was going to know for the rest of my life. And I think that, I mean, now we see that there's a premium on Black mental health and about Black men taking care of themselves but a few years ago, that wasn't the narrative, right? And so it's, it's just about black black men's specificity, making sure we're checking in with ourselves. It's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to have bad days. It's okay to have have a therapist to talk to. Shoot, it's okay to take antidepressants if that's what you need. You know, um, hey, my colleague, we don't. Again, we don't. We don't. We don't, we don't take care. Yeah, we don't take care of those things in the community, um like we should. Um, uh, but I do like to see the changes. Um, I just had a, a interview with a mental health professional and I explained to her that in the nineties and two thousands where I when I grew up, I grew up in the Hill District. You didn't if you had a mental health issue or you were going through something, you were told to pray that way. You were told to find Jesus, you were told like that was the narrative, you know, that, you, you dealt with um you know my mom had an addiction to uh crack cocaine and people were telling her she didn't need uh you know rehab she just needed God, die and those type of things are set up i think for us the black community because the reality is that you have a mental disorder you might need medicine you might need it doesn't mean that you your your faith can't play an important role in your recovery. But that can't be the only That can be one of the tools in your toolkit. But you still need therapy. You still need the meds. You still need to be doing the work outside of Jesus or God. Um, and I'm a very religious man myself. But I understand that God alone in my life, he he can be my center, right? But there are other pieces that still need to be at work and at play. You understand? And that could mean, you know, seeing a therapist. That could mean getting, uh, you know, mad. That could be, you know, meeting out with a friend group that's outside of yours. That's the most important thing that I think that um, Black men need. Black men need to be able to be sad. Black men need to be able to to grieve. Black men need to be able to go through all those emotions. We're not monolithic, you know. There are so many different things that we feel that, we don't necessarily get a chance to talk about So again, I want to thank you guys for this platform. This is really the, thank you.
1: Julius, you have any questions? Because, you know, Julius also is a a Black male. Um, This is the month of making sure that our Black men are being taken care of. And at the very least, I say use this month to say, every year I like you said earlier nikki get a prostate colon check you know and make it making the black men's mom health mom mental health check you know some things we can just we know it here every year we can remind it can be a trigger for us to remind ourselves you know this is what we need to do my my birthday is my trigger it tells me to make my doctor's appointment annually around my birthday i used my birthday month but you can use any month you know that is significant to you to make that you know a trigger for you to say i need to take care of my health i i don't remember the last time it's annually this is what i need to do for myself so but i just want to thank both for you all Julius, you're on mute uh, i don't know i thought you was get ready to talk but you about to say I- no? I mean, I mean, this is a master class. I'm just, I'm
0: telling, telling you, I do nothing. <laughs> when you got a master class in a session, you just listen. What I'm I, think, telling I you. I, I the, the thing I want to say, I did want to, I was ruminating or marinating on a couple of things that Terrence and Nikki Joe said. Uh, and Nikki Joe, you said, uh, cultural misappropriation. I feel like, one of the biggest problems in the city of Pittsburgh is that we talk about diversity, equity, inclusion, anti racism until we are blue in the face and all these spaces. And then when, when Pittsburgh tries to implement it, it completely falls short and it ends up being what you described as cultural misappropriation. I, I have never heard anybody word it like that, right? Because cultural appropriation is bad enough. And cultural misappropriation is even worse. And even this idea of like um, when folks are wa- waving that anti-racist diversity, equity and inclusion flag, that, that's the dangerous thing about Pittsburgh is that they will host a thousand events and pump all this money into these initiatives that in a press release, you, 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 the, the average person will say, oh, well, Pittsburgh, what are we just ranked the third most livable place? To live, this article just came out a day or two ago. Now we're number three most livable city in I don't know if it's the world or the country, uh, because people think that it's equitable and inclusive and diverse. But we just we missed the mark. We completely missed the mark. That's why uh, a Patty Labelle and a Tony Braxton can be put on center stage, thinking that it's going to be for diversity and equity and inclusion, and then the folks who need to be centered the most are excluded but Pitts, pittsburgh is notorious for waving that flag of we love everybody and then when it comes to loving everybody that love quickly turns into hate so that i just think that that cultural misappropriation thing that nikki brought up and and what Terrence was talking about with um you know not honoring the the, the roots of the month and the founders and in the in the, and the 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 black folks who are the creators, like Pittsburgh, is notorious for doing that. So I I, I was just holding on to that for for like forty minutes.
1: you like I'm thinking about it.
2: Start the inclusion. In I hate that turn. I was asked at my former plantation before I got off. I was asked to be on the board's diversity and inclusion board program. I objected outright. I don't want anything. I feel like, first of all, diversity and inclusion boards are created to pacify the oppressed society by saying, oh, we're going to, first of all, I don't need you to include me in anything. I am here. I don't need included into your circles. If anything, you should be asking I'll me. So I a day out. every day. Exactly. But the, the thing about it is you need to be asking permission into ours because you co-opt everything we do. That's why I mean by misappropriated culture. You come into our culture, co-opt and appropriate things from our culture, and then you misappropriate it by excluding the people who created it. You don't have to ask for a diversity and inclusion training at your police station. Why do you need to be trained to deal with people who are different from you? You need a training to deal with. To me, that says you need therapy. You need help. You need medication. If you need a training or inclusivity training so that you can deal with people who are different than you, I'm not the problem. And I sh- it's not my job to educate you on how to include somebody that you're misappropriating their culture. So for me, all of these diversity and inclusivity boards, programs, trainings, all of that is, uh, should not be a part of, uh, the black experience. We're inclusive as it is. You lucky when we invite you to the cookout,
0: <laughs>
2: you know what I mean? We ain't lying about that. So, I mean that for me, I, I just, I, I don't understand how black people think that that's a step up, like that's a seat at the table when a white organization or a white company says, oh, okay, well, we're gonna create this diversity and inclusion board and we'd like you to be a part of it. To me, you're saying, would you please be our token black representative to show the world that we're doing something good? You know, we're fighting for black rights, for LGBT rights, you should be doing that shit anyway. Absolutely. That put me in your programming. I, I'm here, I got this. You, you see, you two eyed people, or so blind. You can only see physically with these two eyes. This third eye is all seeing and everlasting. We see through all of that. We don't need to be included in what we created. You should be asking permission to be a part of what we created and give thanks that we created something that you can co-opt and
1: misappropriate. Absolutely. Absolutely. Can Can we come to the Black Ops House and sit down and be embraced through wisdom and learn from you all you know what i'm saying That's that that's inclusion. ask permission to come to our space how many inv- invites do you get to your space i know we're running out of time julia how many invites do people come and request uh from other groups to be a part of what's going on at black ops i'm curious you know what um White people don't come to me to ask
2: if they can be included and stuff. They usually go to Cynthia. Uh, <laughs> but they don't come to me with it. They usually they usually just go to Cynthia and be like, is it okay? Uh, you know, uh, we got white artists who tried to come and get their work featured in Black House, to which I vehemently denied. I said, and, and it's and not what I'm talking about, about. It's not about, you know. I don't like white
1: people or anything. Y'all got all these other places. That, why you want to come to my black house? I'm talking about coming to learn. Okay. And meaning that coming to be exposed. Oh, okay. To the, the, culture. I'm not saying to put up. No, I agree a hundred percent. There's other galleries, another gallery.
2: About that though. Here's the thing about that education though, uh, sis. Uh, I'm tired. Of trying to teach white people about their arrogance over their ignorance, I'm tired of trying to educate white people on racism and prejudice because there is a clear difference. I am tired, and it is not my responsibility or my duty to educate you about something you create. I, I I can't do it. I don't have the wherewithal to do it when I'm trying to save a whole people that look like me. So what white people need to do is stop clamoring to black people for education on something they created. Instead, educate themselves and their white counterparts so that when they do come into our spaces, they know their place, they know their role, and they know that they need to respect the gods that we are. It's not about coming to us to get educated. It's not our job to do that. We have to educate our own people. We are the oppressed party. So all of the courses and the classes that are held and will be held going forward in the future with blackouts is for our people. That will go. Is the truth. It's for the black, the brown, and the black and brown gay community. Because we have to um educate each other first before we can even think about going out in the world and allowing anybody to be included into our space. But well, thank you
1: for setting me straight. And when no. the young lady asked and when a young lady asks about why are you there, you said, oh, well, Homewood is our second location coming soon. Um
0: <laughs> let, me read this, let me read this real quick before we wrap up, because I think it kind of captures a little bit the essence of what we've been talking about. I don't know if anybody has seen the, the high on high on the hog. Oh, no, no, no. High on the hog. Yeah. I would... There's quote. Um, I read it earlier today. We call our food soul food. We are the only people who named our cuisine after something invisible but that you can feel yeah. like love and God. Something completely transcendental. It's about a connection between us and our dead, and us and those who are waiting to be born.
2: When he said this, Julius, I was like, I never thought of it that way. Me either. Michael, no other culture, no other race of people has a, a, a food, a source, or anything named after their god, their ancestral spirit. We have something called soul food. That's real. That's real. That's real. Oh, he had that, you left. and killed the uh british and haiti's revolution did y'all know that botany the study of plants the foods that we made were to uh strengthen us and to poison the masses they killed over three thousand masses all throughout haiti that was the first step
1: or a cold food that's just so deep when you think about it i'm sorry i'm gonna stop talking i'm talking no to no you're fine, fine. No that time I'm gonna give opportunity opportunities any clues, yes, I just want to say
3: that when we talk about pride uh, uh pride has a very deep meaning for me because I'm a black man, so I'm prideful and just in general of who I am and, and the style that and, and and the oppression that we have seen my forefathers and my ancestors be. So I'm not really prideful in that, but also being. A proud gay Black man is something that, you know, two years ago, you just weren't proud of it. You kept that in the shadow. I just want to say that I've seen the change, that I'm old enough to see how, you know, you got uh, Juliet and Mama or uh, or trying to be educated and trying to understand uh, what the intersections are like for someone like me. So I just really, 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 truly want to say thank you so much uh, for giving me the opportunity to have a voice um, uh, in, in a community, the Black community is very multifaceted. and There's so many times, um, and so just thank you so much again for giving me the opportunity to. That
1: will forward. make me cry.
3: The the, the, the piece of my community that I represent, that I go so hard for daily. Um, so just thank you so much for that. I, I'm, I'm grateful and I'm humbled and I'm, I'm honored. Thank you,
1: Terrence. I want to be, you know, I want to be Terrence. I want to be a better mother to my gay son. And I think I'm awesome. I really do. But I want him to know. And I want him to feel that he can, like how you say, I'm a, a I had pride. I'm proud like growing up, my son is 28 years old. He, he grew up during a time where it was right on the cusp, you know, where he, he couldn't even say that out loud. You know, and he had to find pockets of people that he could even you know be around at and, and they would accept him and he can identify with you know, so he came up right through and during a time of acceptance and emerging and, and 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 people becoming more and more outspoken and and not have to work. I had to take my son out of school. he rode horses, he didn't play football, basketball. He rode horses when he was six. I had to put him in a private school. So then they would stop trying to jump him because Mama Brown was coming for him, okay? I was coming kind out, of, you know, this street, don't get it twisted. I, was, I got tired of going after the parents because they was getting ready, to be, getting ready to go down. So I said, you know what? Let me take my son and put him in an environment that will accept him, you know? And, and, and still, there was challenges. I was like, "Oh, better than the environment." Yeah those environments would challenge would, would have
3: challenged your son in a different way because I went to Bob when high school, and I don't know. No, my mom wanted to get me out of. She don't want me in. General. She wanted me out of the hood, and she wanted to me to an I white high school, which is pretty much what it was. But but the challenges were different because they didn't understand my culture. They didn't understand who I was at the first time. And so it's not about running away from our community, right? It's not about running to, to the white area that you think will be better for your child. It's about educating those people that are around in your communities. Because sometimes, you know, you're blessed enough to be able to, you know, be able to do it up, but there's a lot of moms and there's a lot of dads who don't have those resources to 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 get their kid out of a a situation like that, but their kid may be gay, but their kid may be trans. The most important thing is the education. The most important thing is to challenge those parents to say, "My child is different, but love him or her just the same." That's what we need to be doing more in the black community when it comes to this gay stuff and when it comes to this trans stuff. You don't have to do anything different than what you're already doing as a father. Yes. Love your child. Let your child know that you're a safe slave for them. That'll move mountains in itself, right? Treating your child like they belong, that's the most important thing. That's what I remember. I remember that the people in my life that showed me compassion and love just because I was me. That's what you'll always remember, you know? And so that's, that's what you're doing today. That's what you're doing today. I don't know if you know that. Uh, That's what you're doing today.
2: Child, uh, regardless of who they are, is the most important thing ever. I remember when I was coming up and like I said, I didn't know I was gay, but I knew my Uncle Willie was and everybody loved him. So I'm like, I mean, it's nothing. You know what I mean? Like it was not a big deal in my family. I remember my grandma coming down and sitting next to me on the couch and she said, is you a gay? I was like 14 years old. And I said, am I gay? She's like, or is you like both like of them? You like them both? Is you a gay or not? And I was like, grandma, I don't know. And she was just like, well, like who you like? What the hell? You know, like it wasn't a big deal. It was just that knowing that regardless if I was gay, if I was bi, if I was trans, I was loved. And that is the biggest thing because it makes you go out into the world confidently. So when you do have to face these people who are discriminatory against you because of your, and we gotta stop calling it sexual preference. People don't prefer to be gay. I hate that. I mean, people are born gay. Like they'll be like, "Well, you weren't born gay, each other." I'm sorry. Were you born straight? You were born straight, right? You knew that you like you know, this is how you are. So why do you think I prefer to be gay? I just like what I like. You know? And and people are who they are. You know, if I felt like a little boy growing up, I was a tomboy, like, you know what I mean? And and, uh, boys used to mess with me. They used to call me Brother Nick. Brother Nick. And I didn't care. I just beat him up. You know what I mean? But, like, you know, knowing that I had the love at home, that I could be whoever I wanted to be or grow into whoever I was supposed to become. You know, that's what's most important. As a mother, to give that love that un- that's the, the meaning of unconditional love. Like, baby, I don't care who you are. I don't care if, if you grow up and, you know, get some titties or if you want to, you know what I mean, or take them off or what have you. I love you regardless because I birthed you. That's probably why I ain't got no kids.
1: <laughs> so you got some kids. No, I will not fuck a kid up for messing with my child. Over here. <laughs> no, but Nikki, you got a lot of kids out there. I see them look up to you. You you got a lot of kids. You really do. But thank you all for having me on the show. So much. I, I did want to say that,
2: like, in my, I share the same sentiments as Terrence. You know, this is my second time on the show. Every time I come here, I feel so welcome. Nothing's on edge or weird or awkward. Y'all feel like kids. And I appreciate that. You know, like Julius, you know, we don't know each other too well, but we know each other. You know what I mean? I just always appreciate you. You always got this warm demeanor, this welcoming and inviting and a very introspective look on things. And that is just so endearing, Sis Danielle, you know, we done been in the trenches together. Like, I love you. Like, you know, man, I love you like cornbread. <laughs> like don't food. Yes. Yes. But I, I'm, I'm just so appreciative of you just giving us the platform to speak on our issues in the black community because to be honest, a lot of people aren't speaking about the black gay community. And um Terrence, I'm a, you know how I feel about you, bro. I mean
3: I love you all so much. Thank you. Thank, thank,
1: you. thank y'all so love
2: much. Love y'all
3: too.
0: Thank y'all. We appreciate Thanks y'all
1: thank y'all for joining and bye bye. Love you. Yeah, that is-